Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Answers Yes podcast, where we will explore the cause and effect of just saying yes in your everyday life or in business. I will dig into topics that are not just stimulating, but will challenge you to be better in everything you do. The podcast is based on the simplicity of saying yes to opportunities you might encounter every single day. I'm your host, Jim Riley. Join me in my first series titled, Blue Collar Redefined. Hello and welcome to the Answers Yes podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Again, I appreciate your feedback on all of our shows. We've had some amazing guests. Last week we had Anne Zane on and I've just received a ton of feedback from her. So thank you for that. I passed the word along to her. She was thrilled to be on our show. Um, you know, I apologize in advance. This show usually comes out on Wednesdays, so we're a few days delayed. But sometimes you got to wait for the right guest. And once again, David Meltzer comes through for me delivering some great people for the show. And today I've got Jeff Fenster on the phone. Jeff, how are you today? Very good. Thank you for having me. Um, I know you've got a successful business running right now with Everbowl, and I want to hear all about it. But, man, how would you get the time off? You said you just opened up uh, 19 locations. It sounds like you're a pretty busy guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely keeping us busy. But, um, you know, I always love to find time to, to connect with great people and, and really get the opportunity to to connect with, with new people and bring the, expose them to what Everbowl is and what we're trying to accomplish. And uh, thank you so much for, for carving out some time for us today. Yeah, we're happy to have you. By the way, if you're listening to the show right now and you're in front of your computer and it's you know maybe it's pre-lunch or you're trying to figure out what you're going to eat, dial up everbowl.com because the, the website is beautiful. I know, well, Jeff, we're going to talk about this. You don't have a, a store in my area. But um, uh, it'd probably be worth the drive wherever I've got to go. So while you're listening, check out his website, Everbowl, E-V-E-R-B-O-W-L. I don't normally do that, but, man, the, the food looks so good on there. So, Jeff, good job with that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, you know, this show is about um, saying yes to opportunities in life. And I've got a brief rundown of some of your bio. Um, so I want to go back in history with you. Um, I, know, I know that you're a younger family man with a couple daughters just like myself. But, um, you know, when did it start for you? Were, were you a guy that uh, went from high school into college, or did you step out of high school and go straight to a career? Where, when did your work life begin for you? Yeah, um, I, I got my first job at 15, actually, uh, working at the local community pizza place, Pazzo's Pizza, and um, made my first paycheck and all of a sudden fell in love with the freedom um, that that having some money of your own oh, yeah. provides. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never... I've, I've never been totally cared too much about money specifically, but what I love about money is what it, what the opportunities it provides for you. So I worked pretty much from 15 till, till I went to college, um, went straight to college at 18, uh, University of Arizona. Uh, but I had a earning earn, inside of me to get out of school. So I actually graduated in three years and went straight to law school thinking I wanted to be a sports agent. Uh-huh. Um, that was kind of the, one of the passions I had was, uh, I love sports, and unfortunately, I wasn't built in a 
in a body that could get me there professionally. So I wanted to still stay connected to it. And I love the, the, just the competition and, and the passion behind what goes into sports and the preparation. So being a sports agent at that time as a kid, I thought that's really what I wanted. Uh, but during law school, I, I rethought that and um, came to the realization that actually businesses and, and industry is really where I was meant to be. Yeah. Well, where, let me ask you this. Where did you grow up at? Uh, San Diego in Scripps Ranch. San, okay, so San Diego. I don't normally associate San Diego with people that want to go to law school for to or to become a sports agent. I just don't hear that a lot on the West Coast. Um, I know uh, David Meltzer was, you know, he was one of the top guys. But uh, what what got your attention in, in in that world besides knowing that you weren't going to play sports professionally, but maybe you could be an agent? Because I'm just curious about the industry as a whole and, and what ultimately made you decide to go a different direction. Yeah, sure. Uh, so David Meltzer, as you mentioned, um, he's how we got connected, and he's one of my biggest life and business mentors I've had. Um, he's been a family, close family friend of ours since I was four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, his mother and my mother grew up together, so I interned and worked with him as I was kind of going through those teenage years and being exposed to, as you mentioned, he was in the industry, and um, being exposed to, to that side of it, coupled with both of our natural love of sports, but um, you know, I'm, I'm five, nine and 165 pounds. So, um, unfortunately that wasn't there. So it was kind of just being around it, exposed to it and, and the want to, to stay connected to sports, even though, um, I didn't have the physical tools. I, I thought that there was other ways to do it. Um, but then ultimately while I was in law school and, and learning more about it and growing up and understanding what sacrifices are required and, and what the job is, um, kind of led me to, to decide I really want to spend more time with my kids and, and have kids of my own and my family and less time spending, you know, I, I don't want to belittle the industry, but less time worrying about a whole bunch of other people's uh, family needs and wants. And so it, was just, it, 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 it hit me while I was in law school that I was actually chasing what I thought I wanted, but not really. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the freedom to, to learn and explore and to, to figure out my own path. And so I decided while I was in law school to, to divert and, and choose a different field. Yeah. Do you have any regrets over not going into uh, into law? I mean, a lot of people, and we talk about this on the show frequently, you know, you go to school for something and you put in the time and the effort and the energy and the money. And, um, you know, maybe your parents wanted you to do that. And then all of a sudden you decide, you know what, I'm not going to be in law school anymore. It's not what I want to do. But there's regret or there's uh, shame in not doing it. And I don't think that you should have regret or shame because it leads you to ultimately the path that you want to be on. But how do you feel about that when you look back at it? Yeah, I mean, obviously I believe it's important to, to, to be educated in everything you do. Um, so getting a law degree really helped me learn a different approach. It gave me a bunch of tools, analytical thinking, a new style. Um, it also set me up, at least from a credential side, to know that I had something to fall back on. Um, having that comfort zone, especially when I was 24, um, knowing that, you know, I can go chase my dreams. I can say yes to opportunities, knowing that, worst case, I've, I've spent the time and built the foundation to have um, a career, and I'm air quoting if you can't see me, um, <laughs> in a more traditional method. And I think I needed that at that point because I was still young in my journey and learning how to be uh, an entrepreneur, how to step out of the status quo and, and the expectations that come. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I've had zero regret ever since the day that I graduated law school. I've, I've never even stopped to, to wonder what, what it would have been like to be a lawyer. It, it it's just not who I who I am. Again, I, I'm a I'm I'm a guy who likes to come into new industries. I'm a I'm a serial entrepreneur or degenerate, as my wife will call me. And I really like to to start new things and really 
dig my, my, my teeth into something, learn the industry, come in with fresh eyes and disruption, put my, my stamp on it, try something unique and different, and then try something else because there's so many amazing, amazing parts to life in different fields and industries. And the idea of doing one thing for the rest of my life, it, it's just, I think that's ultimately, now that we're talking about it and you're helping me even gain clarity here on the show, I think ultimately the fear of doing the same thing over and over and over again mm-hmm. um, might, might have been what drove me out of it. Um, and entrepreneurship allowed me to have new challenges and a new job essentially every single day as um, what my role is with each of the companies changes as we continue to grow and evolve as brands. So um, I wouldn't say I have any regret. And I would say that, that whether it's, whether someone leaves it prematurely or sees it all the way through um, the experience and, and the learn that you get from it, you know, that, that, that I'm a quotes guy that's saying sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Um, as long as you learn from it and build who you are, it's just going to propel you forward. Yeah, I love that quote because uh, oftentimes we don't think about the learning part and what we get out of it, you know. Um, I I want to step back real quick just for some of our millennial listeners out there. Uh, you were 15, you started working, uh, you got a little taste of freedom from money. And that's one thing that I find with most of our entrepreneurs that are on the show is they started working very early. Um, you, you know, what did, what were you doing with your money at 15 or what were your goals and what did your parents think about you working at an early age? Yeah. I mean, my, my parents, uh, you know, I, I grew up middle, middle class America. My parents provided me all the things I needed, but not necessarily all the things I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that, that fine line of understanding and, and them stressing early on that, you know, you can have whatever you want in life if you go get it, but that's kind of where that stops. So understanding I, I wanted gas money. I wanted to take my girlfriend out. I wanted to go with friends and, and have the freedom to go to the, go to the movies and, and maybe go out to dinner whenever I wanted to and not be limited to the fact that I didn't, you know, that I had to ask mom and dad for money. Um, that created limitations. And in my, in my life and for who I am, I've never done really well with walls. Um, it may probably made me a little bit of a trouble, troublesome kid with my parents because telling me how I have to do something or telling me I can't do something has never really worked well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so having access to cash and understanding that no one, I'm not entitled to anything. So I need to go out and get it and I need to earn it myself. And so at 15, while I was also playing sports in high school, I, I worked part time and, and that money gave me the freedom to, you know, to, to get those extra wants a, a 15, 16, 17 year old kid is after. Um, and so I would say that, that ultimately starting as young as I could, I was the youngest I could get a work permit as, and as soon as I could, I started. Yeah. Good, good for you. Great lessons in life. When you start working early, I started working for my grandfather, uh, at 13 in Newport beach in the fast food business and, uh, you know, customer service, you learn a lot about people and, and how to interact and get out of your comfort zone and not be a shy little teenager anymore. So, uh, I love hearing that about you. Um, okay. Well, we can well, get, and- yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and in that same vein, one of the things that, and I know we'll get into it later, but about Everbowl, but it ties into what you just said, that is really important to us is we hire high school and college age kids. Yeah. That's who runs our store. Yeah. And we give so many high school kids their first job. And um, it's amazing. I, I love that because you get to, you get to experience someone, as you said, they're, they're, they start out shy, but you watch them progress from young adult who's trying to figure out how to have a voice in the professional adult world. And then six months on the job, they're, they're confident, they're speaking with anyone who comes through the door, making eye contact and looking and acting five years older than when they, when they started. Seeing that maturity and that develop in such a short period of time is invaluable. And I would recommend as many millennials who can 
find something, whether it's a paid or paid job or internship, get out there into the workforce and start interacting early because you're going to learn skills that you'll, you just can't, you can't buy later. You can't make that up. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to give a little selfless plug to a previous episode I did with Mark Taylor from In-N-Out Burger on this topic. You know, I talked to him. He's the CEO of the company. They've got over 20,000 employees. And I asked him, I said, what, what is your favorite part of the job or what was the best part of your career? And what he told me um, kind of shocked me because I know him very well. Um, he said that managing the independent stores that he worked at was the best part of his career because he gets to help mold and influence the kids that worked for him in a positive fashion. It was like his own little family. And once you move up the corporate ladder, you don't have that anymore. And I can't help but think about what you just said about hiring, you know, uh, high schoolers or college students in, in your Everbowl stores. You know, how important that environment is that you're creating for them to learn and look back on those learnings and, you know, their, their ability to craft uh, the spirit of the store and, um, you know, the happiness and, and everything, the success of the store, if you will. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I think is really cool, especially, is how much we learn from them. Um, you know, when we started, it was important to do that because I, there's two rules to work at Inevitable. It's our culture. It's what's the most important things for any business I start is make friends and have fun. Uh-huh. Um, those are the two foundational principles. And doing that with uh, mature adults in my previous companies, it, it still provided a good culture. However, when you, when you have that culture with high school and college-aged uh, young adults, it gets on over it gets to overdrive and it's incredible to see these young adults with their ideas and so many of our of our 15 and a half to 23 year old staff members their dna are is ingrained into the foundation of everbowl and and some of the things we do today are are because of their ideas and i hope that they're aware and and are appreciating how much impact no matter what you do whether you are your first day on the job or you're the ceo the impact you can have on an organization by by just bringing who you are to the job. And, and so once they start making friends and having fun and being comfortable, all their personalities and their ideas and their, and their thoughts get integrated into what we're doing. And it is so powerful. And we as an exec team, we, we, we love it. We talk about it all the time. We share little messages from what we're getting from them and their ideas and, and incorporating them. And to see the look on their face when it gets implemented all of a sudden, and they know that it was their idea and they're not just someone who happens to be working the register for a few hours on a Tuesday at, at a store, they're actually now they're officially part of the company and it's there's no better feeling yeah well that food on your website just got a little bit better looking hearing about your company culture um i i definitely want to talk about everbowl some more but i want to go back to uh when you graduated high school and, and i love i love the story you told me before we went on the air so as soon as you got out of college what was your first job or where did you go from there yeah so i graduated law school i was 24 um and I got a job at ADP, the payroll company, and um, I had a lot of success. My first six months, I was the number one sales rep in the country, made President's Club, uh, was getting all these awards, making a ton of money, um, and it was great. And in my contract, I had a $17,000 base increase if I hit a certain threshold of sales, and I, and I cleared it. So I went to my sales manager in January, and I said, listen, I, I'm well beyond this marker. I'd like to see the pay increase on my next salary. And they explained to me that while I made the goal, I had to wait for the fiscal year to end, and that wasn't until July. Um, and being a very cocky 24-year-old who, who's the number one sales rep, I had a big ego, and um, I wasn't happy with that answer. And so I, I pretty much demanded that I get what I was entitled to, and if not, I was 
I was going to quit. And uh-huh. I thought that there was no chance that they were going to let me walk out the door. And they looked me in the face and called my bluff. And so um, I quit the very next day and started a payroll company out of my mom's kitchen called iChecks with a very good friend of mine. And um, that was kind of my first true launch into into entrepreneurship, if you will, and my very first company. Well, okay. So let's talk about ADP for a second. Um, what what enabled you or what skills did you possess that um, helped you succeed at ADP as their number one salesperson? Because I think it's important to understand. It's not easy to go out there and sell a service. Um, I've met ADP salespeople before. I do like their services. I've used them for a couple of companies in the past. Um, but w- what what skills did you possess to become that lead salesperson? Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, um, it was a combination of many years of practice. Um, I We talked a lot about David Meltzer, but I interned or worked for a lot of his companies growing up. Um, and that's one thing I highly recommend. I tell my children and I tell anyone who will, who will listen to me that the biggest mistake I think millennials and young adults make is they don't intern enough. Um, if it's all about money, and, and again, I, I, I wanted the freedom too, so I worked. I actually worked a job that paid me, and then I interned as well. And I always had an internship through up through college, because when you can intern from companies and business minds and people that are in the field or areas that you want to learn from, and you offer your time for free, most of them will say yes. They don't always have a job for someone, but they always have time for someone who just wants to volunteer, help, and learn. And David Meltzer helped shape my sales ability through that, and. Um, I came up with my own personal creed, and I think I mentioned it earlier, to make friends and have fun. And, and that's how I was successful at ADP. I never sold people. I don't believe in selling. What I believed in was making friends and connecting. And if, if I made friends with you and couldn't help, I honestly would tell you that and walk out. But what that does is that makes you say, you know what, that was so refreshing that if I have someone who I can send his way, I'm going to. And so what started to happen was I started making making friends with business owners, small business owners. I got involved in the communities where, where my territory was. I made friends with bankers and I made friends with CPAs. And I, and I was really focused truly on what can I give them first, pay it forward first. And then in return, it, it always comes back twofold. So I was trying to utilize my relationship capital that I had built um, and spent my, you know, my, my young adulthood building and helping any way I could. So could I bring a client to a CPA? Could I, could I bring a new account to a banker? What can I do for them? And then in turn, they're going to want to help me. And so all of a sudden, I got so much inbound leads from this network that I had created that my first month was kind of slow. But then month two on, I, I couldn't close business fast enough. I, I literally had more business than I could handle simply because I think my network around me started to realize that I, I'm not here trying to sell them some service that I don't believe in. I'm telling myself that I'm going to be there for them and I'm going to walk them through the process. If there's a mistake, I'm going to take care of it. And I think ultimately they wanted to genuinely help me. And um, while I, I'm able to look at that now at the time, you know, it was, it was more focused again about paying it forward and giving it out. And that, that learning that early has really been beneficial for me, both in my first company and then obviously um, up through now. I, you know, Jeff, there's a lot more to you than meets the eye, especially as this conversation unfolds. Um, you know, bringing up the point about interning is, is so important and relevant and what a great opportunity for, you know, uh, well, I want to, I was going to say younger people, but any, you know, anybody can intern and if you want to make a career change and you're thinking about doing something different, I don't care what your age is. You can go intern, like you said. People would love to have some extra help, especially if it's not costing them anything. And uh, if you have a willingness to learn and um, and and help out, 
you, you know, they're going to want you. So I love that you brought that up. Uh, I do hear, you know, David Meltzer talk about that a lot. Gary Vee, you know, he's, he's this mega marketing, uh, you know, guru out there and he talks about it a lot. And, and the amount of time that you invest in interning, uh, pays tenfold. So, uh, that, that's a great lesson for people that you brought up. Thank you for sharing that. Can you mention some of the companies that you, you, you said you interned for some of Dave's companies, but what were some of the names and the types of businesses? Yeah, I mean, uh, Global Web Video was one of the first internet sites that are companies that was able to put streaming video back on the computer, if you remember back before. So, um, for example, car dealerships, it used to just be still photos of a vehicle. Um, but it, Dave's company ultimately would be able to make the car drive on the screen back when you had dial-up modems and the internet was somewhat new. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was one. Um, Corporate Connections, which was a which was a company that really brought C-level executives, both CFOs and CEOs, into a corporate retreat setting where they could really sit down at a table with peers in different industries but similar position and titles and really talk about challenges and issues and problems that they were facing um, and have a setting, a, a true private one, you know, one, maybe five or six people together so it's not one-on-one, and really dive into some of the trials and tribulations that they're going through and have someone who may share the same isolation feeling because obviously in bigger companies, um, based on what, what your position is, you don't always have peers. Sometimes you have people that are just yes men and women and they're not really giving you that, that honest advice or someone that you can bounce ideas off of. So Corporate Connections was, was good and my business executive was uh, basically a SaaS technology that took the legal and, and human resource industry and kind of put everything online. Um, going away from traditional files and into a single online repository and depository. So you had access to all of your human resource records and legal uh, documents and your EINs and all your filings, both state and federal. Um, So that was a company. And then uh, David Meltzer was the CEO of a publicly traded company called PCE phone. Um, It was one of the very first smartphone companies. And I got to, I got the opportunity to intern with him there. Um, And then, together at, uh, with, you know, with him at Sports One Marketing. It no longer was it internships, but we worked collaboratively in some of my previous companies together on some projects, and, um, and then here we are. So yeah. I've really had a, a wonderful opportunity to, to leverage and utilize Dave's, you know, Dave's successes and, and his journey and really get an opportunity to be involved, even as a small, you know, doing administrative tasks when I first started. It didn't matter. Just being exposed to that and seeing how businesses actually work and how startups work and what are the, what problems they're going around and getting the opportunity to ultimately meet people and them to see who I am when in, in my own light, I'm building my relationship capital. And, and I think that that's one of uh, the most important things we as people in business need to understand is who you know and who values you and believes in you and what they, what they view you as is important. And so having those relationships and the ability to make a phone call. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Call and say, hey, I'm trying to meet so-and-so, or I'm trying to sell so-and-so, or I want to get the opportunity to work at this kind of company. Do you know anyone there? Yeah. Earning the right to ask your friends to do that for you based on the fact that you've been paying it forward and working with them and they believe in you and they believe that you're not going to tarnish that, that introduction, that, that, that introduction is going to go, go very well. And you're not going to make them look bad because they put themselves out there for you and, and earning the right to do that through, you know, whether it's interning, working hard, showing who you are, paying it forward. Um, that's, that's just been the keys that, that I've learned and picked up both from Dave and, and through my own other life experiences and try to apply it every day. I love that statement as well, earning the right to ask for it based on your own actions and paying it forward. I haven't heard it put that way, but, you know, in positions uh, like you're in and Dave and myself, uh, you've got a lot of public appearance. Uh, People ask for a lot of stuff, and uh, I think we all kind of analyze the person that's asking for something, and that goes through your mind, you know, earning the right to ask. I'm always happy to pay it forward. I think... uh, you and I abide by the same principles, paying it forward, it always comes back to you. Um, I want to ask you about the business that you started after ADP because, you know, whether you, people that are listening know the size and magnitude of ADP, certainly you've seen the logo out there, so you can only imagine the, the magnitude of the company itself. You decided you're going to take on that industry and start your own business. Um, so obviously you left with some confidence to do that. Yes. Um, you know, so, so my business principles when I start a company and I have it more polished today than I did then, uh, but it's come in with fresh eyes and disruption and, and look at what everyone else is doing and why and see how you can do it differently. Um, I've never been successful standing in a crowd. Um, I, you, you get lost. So, you know, find out what you can bring to that industry and why are the, a lot of times the industry is doing what it's doing because that's what it's done for so long that everyone who comes in learns from someone who's been in the industry forever get seasoned up on the, how it's being done, and then they basically do the same thing. Um, if you really want to have a disruptive startup, you've got to come in and say, well, if everyone's going left, how can I go right and still meet the expectations of that industry and deliver hopefully superior results? And so back when I started at ADP, you know, there was a standard model. It was, was called a 55 and 2 where you made 50 phone calls a day. You got five appointments. You follow their talk track. You should close two deals. Um, it was traditional, go door to door, stand there, bang on people's doors, cold call. And for us, that's just what I did when I was at ADP is I realized relationship is how you can sell your products and services because people ultimately want to do business with people. The name of the brand, yes, we all love some exciting and hot brands. There's plenty out there that people really love or, or really hate and whatever they'll be. But when you get behind the people behind the company and you understand kind of what they're thinking, it gives you that confidence to know that, you know what, business and things are going to happen. But if, if I work with Jeff, I know he's going to take care of me. And I know that ultimately he's going to care about my business and I'm going to be safe. And everything that we need from our payroll and human resources is going to get done. And so when me and Brian started iCheck, we really wanted to focus on how can we leverage relationships to grow iCheck as opposed to cold calling everybody. And how do we make friends with all of our customers? Because we'll never lose. A, it's very hard to lose a customer who's a good friend and knows that you're doing what's best for them Mm -hmm. and you can provide those services. And then the next piece was it was the startup business really migrating fully to the internet. Um, It was at the earlier stages. So we wanted to create a single database platform where back then you had uh, hard files for payroll, hard files for human resources. Everything was in manila folders and pullout drawers. And, you know, when you uh, submit an application, um, it, 
goes into a file and it's not electronically pulled. And so if you move, you had to fill out a new W-4 and there's just a whole lot of arduous tasks and, and things that had to be done manually. And so we really wanted to digitize that and create a, an online platform recognizing that um, that's where the world's going. You know, one of, I'm a big quotes guy, so I apologize if I drop one, but Wayne Gretzky has a quote because everyone, you know, he's not the fastest skater, but he was always in the right place. He says, I don't have to be fast if I skate to where the puck is going to be. Uh-huh. And having the foresight to, to know that, you know what, if the world's going to the internet and the big guys, they, they have a lot of money, they have a lot of resources, they have a lot of reach, but what a startup scrappy entrepreneur has is speed and agility and the ability to really leverage the fact that I can change my business overnight because I'm not the size of ADP. So we could really try new things and pivot as we needed to and navigate the white water that, that it would be on the journey um, and really take, take it to ADP on the areas where we were strong and knowing that they are so big, their customer service was not great. So we focused on really big on providing world-class customer experience, which again, goes into that making friends and having fun and really trying to, turn what is, you know, has a, a stigma of being a boring industry, payroll and human resources, into something more fun and really connecting with HR, um, the HR people at different companies and getting that, that human connection that they're just so not used to getting because, unfortunately, the negative of a payroll company is you get no credit for making sure everyone's paychecks arrive on time and everything's done properly. But if anytime there's something wrong, everyone is upset and screaming at you. So yeah. it's, a thankless, it's a thankless job. And I think that that wears on the individuals who, who's responsible as companies all around the world. And so us recognizing that we really wanted to humanize and make friends with them and, and show them that, you know what, we're going to empower you to do your job easier and better so you don't get yelled at. And people are going to love what you're doing because you're going to be innovative and disruptive within your own company by now providing an online employee self-service portal, which is, you know, it's standard today, but it wasn't then. And so that was kind of how we launched iCheck. Um, and then we eventually uh, raised private equity and, and changed the name to Canopy HR as we scaled upstream and, and started to work with bigger size companies. Um, but that was really the, the goal behind us was to humanize and digitize what has be, kind of become a thankless uh, industry. Well, so, you know, you're looking at a competitor and it's like, how can we do that better and, and what's going to give us the cutting edge? And like you said, and, and I took the same approach in my tequila business is trying to be more nimble and move faster than the big guys because they have too much red tape and then really servicing a a customer or the client uh, with with your services. So, all right. So uh, what what got you out of that business and into Everbowl or or what changed and and do you still have that business or what's going on? No, no. We we, uh, we sold in 2010. Um, uh, We we ended up selling to a a company in Florida. Um, and then from there, I, I started a few more companies. I had a digital marketing agency and a recruiting agency. Um, got out of those in 2015 and 2000, beginning of 2016, respectively. Um, and then really kind of took a, took a little bit to, to decide, you know what? It's time for me to truly marry the two biggest passions I have um, outside of my family, and that is healthy living and startups. And so I really wanted to look at why, um, why we're – essentially killing ourselves with our lifestyle habits in society, especially in the United States. All the statistics are, are scary about, you know, they're now saying 82% of all cancers are, are nature and what we're doing and lifestyle based. And I'm a bit afraid of disease. I'm a little, little bit of a hypochondriac. So uh, knowing that I like to, I think it's easier to prevent illness than cure illness. And I understand how hard it is for a lot of people to change habits and change lifestyle. So utilizing my entire background, both as an entrepreneur and in law school, I did some analytical research, kind of looked at the industry, 
interviewed a lot of my friends and, and non-friends and understood what's going on in the food space and, and kind of came up with the four main excuses why people don't eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason we don't eat healthy is either it costs too much to eat healthy, it doesn't fill you up, it doesn't taste good, or it's not accessible. And those are the reasons we choose a fast food, fast and fried option most of the time. But if you give someone the opportunity to eat something that tastes good for them and they know it's healthy, they're going to choose that if it's affordable and accessible almost every single time. So how can we essentially disrupt the fast food quick serve market in a different way? Because there's a lot of like vegan and healthy oriented food establishments, but I I don't know that they've made themselves available to everybody Mm -hmm. because that's intimidating to someone who's not already in that world. And you want to be accessible. You want to be friendly. So Everbowl was created. Um, it's called it's Everbowl, and our tagline is made from stuff that's been around forever. And our goal is essentially to provide craft superfood bowls. And today we specialize in four main base ingredients, acai, pitaya, graviola, and acerola, which are four superfoods found throughout the world. And when you come in, you get to pick whatever and customize them however you'd like, load them up with unlimited toppings of your choice, all for one price. And we give you a massive 24-ounce bowl, which is bigger than pretty much everyone else gives you for the same price point. And so knowing that those are the four reasons why we don't eat healthy, I, I wanted to create a business around it. Yeah. So uh, real, and looking at, and looking at, oh, sorry. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want to get too far on your, your concept because I love, um, I, I'm not sure what you'd compare it to, but maybe like some of these pizza places like Blaze or Mod Pizza or Chipotle even, where you go up to the counter, you, you build your base and then you add all these toppings. Um, it seems to be very popular these days, but I love that you're doing that in, an, in a healthy environment. Thank you. Yes. So that, the key for us is to answer, it doesn't taste good. And my biggest pet peeve when I go to a healthier restaurant and I choose something off the menu is I want to customize it. But all of a sudden, what was a $9 or $8 item with all my customizations ends up costing me 13 or $14, which I'll pay, but I just won't eat it every day. It's, yeah. it's, it's beyond that price point that becomes an everyday item, and it becomes a once-a-time, once once-in-a-while uh, item. Yeah, and sure. So ultimately, I wanted to I wanted to make it available to everybody, everable for everybody, and available to you as often as possible. Um, so that's why we went with the create your own customization, much like those store, uh, restaurants you mentioned. Um, they all provide you the ability to to have it your way. And I think in today's world, especially with the with the access to internet and social media, we want what we want and we know what we want. So my goal in Everbowl is to be a conduit to get you eating healthy. And so if you like these ingredients, I want you to pick them. I want to put them on your bowl, and I'm happy to sell it to you at the same price. I love it. How did you come up with the base ingredients? I mean, look, we're all familiar with acai by now. I've got some in my freezer. But uh, what about the other ones? I've never heard of them, and obviously there's some value there. How did you come up with that? Yeah, so my my passion's been – healthy eating and healthy living. And so I've been importing superfoods into my home for better part of a decade, um, eating exotic superfoods that have so much of this nutritional element or this nutritional element or can prevent this illness or can help my body do this. And so since I'm a superfoodie by, by nature, that's just who I am. I've been exploring these and learning about them. For- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So long that when I started Everbowl, 
I also wanted to introduce, I didn't want to just take um, acai, which at the time was very common or becoming very common, and just be an acai shop. I really wanted to introduce people to all other types of superfoods. So if you don't like acai or you had it yesterday and you're not in the mood for two days in a row, I wanted to show you other options you could have that are going to give you that same nutritional powerhouse, uh, same nutritional value and be a nutritional powerhouse um, and, and create a new lifestyle for you when you have more options because you don't always want to eat the same thing every day. So having more options will give you more opportunities to say, I'm going to make this healthy choice today. I'm going to make this healthy choice tomorrow. And I'm not going to feel like I'm eating the same salad every single day. Yeah. Jeff, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in exactly what you said. You know, you, you go into some places, you you know, your your $9 item becomes a $14 item because you're getting what you want, you know, because you're adding on healthy ingredients. There's a couple of those protein drink uh, places that I like to go to, but I don't want to spend $13 for my lunch and drink it. You know, I want to, I want to eat it with a spoon or something at least. Um, how, how have you managed to make it affordable, not only for the consumer, but for you guys to make money? Yeah, great question. So looking at it from a, from a business standpoint, because in order for us to be successful in our mission, uh, we need to have a sustainable and successful company. And so um, started an import business called Real Happy Foods, where we bring in and source the best high-quality superfoods and really try to limit the middlemen in between us and the sourcing mm-hmm. so I can bring down the cost and in exchange return that savings to my customer. Um, secondarily, what we've done operationally is we created a, our own commissary where we were able to procure everything in bulk. And so by opening a lot of stores and procuring it to a single location, um, I was able to, to reduce my cost of goods and, and, again, drive that savings back to the customer. Hmm. I like it. So uh, let, let me ask you this. You're, you're growing your locations. Uh, you're up to 19, right? Is that what the number was? Yeah, we, op- uh, we just opened number 19, and number 20 will open next week. Uh, are these franchise locations? Are, are company-owned, or how are you structuring this? No. Nope. Company, uh, we own them all currently. Uh, we don't franchise. Um, we get a lot of requests, and we're entertaining it. But at this point, I don't like winners and losers, and I don't want to just franchise like everybody else and put us in a position where some people are going to be successful and others aren't. And, and me, of course, as the franchisor, I'll be successful, but that's not the type of environment we want. So mm-hmm. if we can't do an offering that we're comfortable make everybody successful, um, we don't want to do it. And we have a saying, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. And so uh, we're in that process of figuring out and how we can disrupt the franchise model to, to provide and make Everbowl accessible for franchisees, but in a way that makes makes us really feel comfortable that they're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So what's your long-term plans for the company? I mean, obviously, uh, the number of locations you're at already is very impressive. Uh, looks like you got a great infrastructure. What's the long-term goal? So our long-term goal is to, is to grow Everbowl into an international brand. We believe it can be uh, a brand that not only provides quick-serve restaurant access to superfoods, but also a line of CPG products. Um, we just came out with our very first consumer packaged product this week. Um, it's now available for sale both on our new website, superfuelcoffee.com and Amazon. Um, and what it is is it's the world's first superfood-infused coffee line. Um, all four of our flavors today are acai-infused coffees. We have two Guatemalan varieties and two Colombian varieties, and they all have acai, and then each flavor has a couple other superfoods that provide different nutritional value. Um, looking at, again, how can I make and give people access to superfoods and integrate it into their daily habits? Getting them to come into an Everbowl is one thing, but as you said, right now there's not a store by you. So how can I help? And so the way we looked at it is coffee is consumed by a very high percentage of, of American adults. Uh, we drink coffee every day, but we don't always eat superfoods. 
So why not combine superfoods into your coffee and get your antioxidants and your superfoods with that cup of coffee in the morning or in the afternoon? And so we've created biodegradable, uh, biodegradable K-pods that we sell. And now we have the ability to provide antioxidants and superfoods into more consumers' hands and into their habits without them having to change much from what they're doing. I love it. Well, I, uh, as an athlete, I'm always trying to cut weight so I can be a little bit faster out on the course. So I tend to up my coffee intake as I'm eating less. So I know if I can get some, uh, some of these superfoods in my coffee, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's, that's, and, and the beauty is you don't have to do anything different, right? You're going to drink the coffee anyway. I drink two to three cups a day. Um, ever since we created Superfuel, I've been drinking that. And I honestly, I, I mean, maybe, it, maybe there, there's not, if some of it might be psychosomatic, but I feel better knowing that I'm getting more antioxidants and more health nutrition and more function from, the, from that cup of coffee than I was before. It's not just the caffeine rush anymore. It's actually also now providing me nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I want to dip back to, because, uh, you know, as I'm reflecting on it, the fact that you keep your costs down because you created an import company for some of these super foods is very impressive. You didn't just go buy what was off the shelf and put it in your restaurants or whatever Cisco Foods was carrying. You, you're sourcing stuff. And I think often people uh, drop the ball short of their ultimate goal. And clearly that's not the case with you. Um, so, Jeff, it seems like you've got an import company where you're bringing in the supplies as well as you have your have Everbull. Are you, are you running two companies parallel? Are these separate entities? Is there more opportunities with the import company? Or how is that structured for you? Uh, yeah. So funny enough, it's actually an uh, Everbull is the parent. And under Everbull, we have actually have a handful of companies. So in addition to the import business, uh, we started a company called WeBuild. And WeBuild is our fabrication and installation department for all of our stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name of that company is WeBuild Stuff, LLC. And the idea is a vertical supply chain and an integrated model that allows us to, again, build our stores for less, import products for, for, for less, and, and allow us to open more units and get cost savings back to our customers. So the way it's structured is the parent is Everbull, and, and then Everbull owns a handful of entities that all go into supporting itself. Um, so the long-term plan is to, is to basically build this foundational platform that allows Everbull to introduce quality superfoods. Well, Jeff, look, you know, it seems like you've got a lot going on. I'm so impressed with your business model. Um, I could probably talk to you for the rest of the day because of all these little things. I mean, there's way more than meets the eye with you. Um, where, where can people find you and, and learn more about your, your experiences, yourself, or, or Everbull? What's the best way to get a hold of you and look, look you up? Yeah, sure. Um, our Instagram is at Everbull Craft Superfood. Uh, mine is at Fenster Jeff. And from there, um, you can obviously see what we're doing on a, on a more regular basis. Um, also can connect with us on Facebook or LinkedIn. And, and definitely look forward to making friends with everybody and continuing to expand and look forward to seeing an Everbull and meeting you at an Everbull near you. Yeah, buddy, I, I see that you've got a lot of locations in the San Diego area, and I'm down there quite a bit. You can, I can promise you I will be hitting your locations up because, again, like I said in the beginning of the show, your, your food looks fabulous. The options look incredible. And after hearing your story and how you started the company, I would love nothing more than to support you. And I hope one day you get to the Inland Empire. I'm up in Upland off a mountain. There's a great little location that's open on the corner, by the way. <laughs> Um, <laughs> look, I, I just love your we're story. Close. We're coming that way. Well, perfect. We're, close. we're working our way up there. Perfect. Well, um, you know, that, that's the problem with success. Everybody wants you. I lived that when I was at in and out and, uh, you're going to live it with Everbowl cause I can see that you've got the chops to make it. And uh, I just want to congratulate you on your success. Um, we look forward to stopping thank, into thank one of your stores. So 
Yeah, our, our pleasure. Thank, thanks again, Jim, and I really appreciate the time, and, and I love your show, and um, I can't wait to, uh, to continue to follow all of the other great people you bring on, and, and I love the Baja series and everything you're doing, so thank you for continuing to, to promote the right kind of mindset and helping people feel good about, about the choices they make and say yes to life, and that is the answer, and so thank you. Yeah, thanks for saying that. It means a lot to me. Okay, well, we'll see you around town. Well, another great show and an incredible guest. You know, there's so many layers to Jeff. I, you know, I, I could imagine if I spent more time with him on the phone and made this a two-hour show or one of those four-hour Joe Rogan shows, we'd continue to unpeel that, that onion because Jeff and his life is just so full of abundance and he practices that. You know, we have the commonality of David Meltzer. And by the way, if you're not listening to David Meltzer's podcast, um, I highly re- recommend it because, uh, you know, a lot of people tell me that they like my show because it's positive. And um, I do appreciate those compliments. And David's show uh, is called The Playbook, David Meltzer, The Playbook. Very positive. And although it's centered around athletes that he interviews, it's still about business and in life. And I've been. Uh, binge listening, if you will, to his shows to kind of catch up. I missed, a, I guess it's called a season's worth. And um, I've just really enjoyed hearing the stories on there. So, you know, David talks about living a life of abundance, giving five times your value up front, and it'll come back to you tenfold. And that's what I've been practicing the last year. And I cannot tell you how much that works. If you're not living a life of abundance and trying to deliver five times the value to your friends, your family, your employer, and and everything you're doing, you're missing out on an opportunity to receive that back 10 times the value. And uh, now that I've been practicing that seriously for a year in my mindset, you know, waking up in the morning, writing down the things that I'm grateful for, the things that I have more than enough of, and looking at that and going and approaching my day with that in my mind, um, I, you know, I can tell you those things honestly work. And, um, I want to thank a few people that reached out this week, uh, looking for some help or some life coaching. I, I, I love getting those calls. I love helping and I'm glad that I'm here for you. And, um, I look forward to working with those clients and, um, you know, getting them to the next phase in their life. So listen, I really appreciate everybody listening to the show. Please share this. If you've enjoyed it, if the message resonates with you, if not reach out to me and tell me, you know, this sucks, but uh, we'll we'll try our hardest not to suck and, and continue to bring great content. Again, I apologize that this show turned into a Friday show instead of a Wednesday show. I've got more interviews lined up so we can get back on schedule. So I know I've got a couple Wednesday regulars. Richard, I know you're listening. Uh, sorry, buddy. I didn't get this out on time for your Wednesday morning coffee, but uh, maybe it'll be Friday evening wine. Um, live a life of abundance as... I always say what you believe is what you will achieve, and it is so true. I know I'm living my best life, and it just keeps getting better. So thank you. Uh, Look forward to delivering a great show next week.